Good morning, everybody. This is Hacker Mike coming at you from the heart of New Jersey. And today, it's the most beautiful sky where Venus is shining and Mars. Both in the sky, there's no moon, no clouds, no sun. There's a little bit of light coming up. It's five o'clock in the morning. We shouldn't see sun for another half an hour or the sun rise. But uh, I know now why they call Venus the goddess of beauty. Because as we know, everything you don't understand is a god. And she is quite beautiful. It's also the closest planet to us. Mars is darker across the sky, but it's red. And um, it's a real treat to really to see these planets and think about them. And think about the sunlight hitting them. And the, see the other stars with a light that's millions of years old. Well, light years old at least. Four years is is the uh, closest plant, uh, sun star. The Alpha Centauri is four light years away. <clears throat> so all the light that you see in the sky from other stars is at least four years, and possibly much much older. Some of those stars might not exist. <clears throat> they might be. Uh, coming in from another um, they might be looking different they might be might have exploded by now yeah and we got to think about this um, deification deity the um, raising of things to God status how that actually happens and we talked about that on a couple of our uh, podcasts <clears throat> just clearing my throat just getting up this morning I listened to um, the beginning of the audiobook Umberto Echo to Foucault's Pendulum and um, it's a pretty crazy story these guys, they came up with this conspiracy theory, and then it turns out that they were really onto something, and then the, um, the secret society started to kill them off. <clears throat> and a wonderfully done book. And the audiobook's on YouTube, so you can just listen to it. And you don't need to buy it. We also learned about um, trajectory of bullets. How gravity 
wind drag, drag and uh, wind shear um, effect a sniper bullet and we're doing some sniper physics for um, shooting games <clears throat> and uh, playing a lot of Minecraft at my house and having a good time So yeah, it's um, just the idea of taking some process that you don't understand and basically thinking that behind it is something alive. And in a way it's true because that thing that you think is alive behind it is your brain that is generating it. And then saying, well, it must be the gods or a god. And that's kind of an interesting way to, um, to understand it. Now we say it must be science with the scientists. And they're uncovering the laws of the universe written in mathematics that is surprisingly effective. Well, I have bitten the bullet and I've started to um, encode an example of what I want to do with a configuration management system in Haskell. And hey, I'm just using an enum, a data enumerator for my uh, basic lists. Because, well, because it's simple. And with Haskell or Haskell, it's so easy to get completely lost. So I figure if we're going to um, end up doing dynamic, just doing some crazy stuff with types, we're going to start by defining how it should be by um, creating the most simplest interface possible, which is an enum. So more about that later, but I'm definitely um, <clears throat> back into the data modeling stage and I set up uh, a dockerized version of uh, Haskell, Haskell 8, docker pull, Haskell colon 8, and then you get yourself an image with everything in it, stack, install, and um, I'm looking on the uh, 
<clears throat> user interface side is going to be the GraphQL. I thought that would might be appropriate. We'll look at that. GraphQL being some REST API replacement from, from Facebook. And um, I started to look at Semantic Web. Well, the support for it has not necessarily been updated. And you really want to find... So here's some ideas for everybody who's listening or not, who might be listening in the future. I guess I really hope that one day people are going to uncover this amazing archive of talks and say, wow, Mike was really hitting it, really hitting it out of the park there with this podcast. But uh, when you're picking an open source project, you want to make sure it's alive. You don't want to start off with a dead project. If it hasn't been updated in a year, then the chances of you getting anything done with it or changed to it are lower. Because who's going to do those updates? Is it you? Are you working on your project? Don't you want to use open source because it's alive? And I guess that gets back into the question of the gods and alive processes. Well, if, it's not, if there's no person behind it, then all I can say is it's dead. It ain't moving. I mean, sure, you've got open source, but I'm going to define open source in terms of alive people behind it. That's what you want because it's live people who care about their project. And if someone has abandoned a project and they're not interested in updates and all that, if they're not interested in updates and all that, then you're going to have to do them. Now that might be a freedom of open source to be able to fork and continue with an abandoned project. But unless you have active maintainers on it, don't use it. Okay, so let's call that the first principle of open source is you want fungibility. That's what I learned at the bank. Fungibility. You want a pool of people who will stand behind it, who are replaceable, interchangeable, um, who will fit a certain size. And I know that is very um, discriminatory, I think. I feel that it's discriminatory in some weird way because by saying you want a a pool of people that are replaceable you want some Java programmers from India 
where they're turning out millions of them. That's what they mean by fungible. They don't want to have snowflakes and um, cowboys and personalities and people saying no to them. So, now the sky is um, clearing up, the sun's coming up already, the sky's turning blue, and I think um, we're starting to see some, only the planets are left, all the stars are being drowned out by our sun. But it's an amazing spectral event. But be that as it may, the fungible open source programmer or team is um, a life project with enough developers on it. And they're people who have a day job and they are um, passionate about the project. And motivated and um, are doing some extra work extracurricular activity some people are doing nine to five but really again now this is where I get into other things you really don't want to work with a nine to five open source uh, system so if you're picking your projects and they have staff that are working nine to five which is their day job to work on this project. Um, it's not as much fun as people who are passionate. So let's just call that the passion factor. And maybe we can um, rank these projects that way by passion. And um, this brings me to my topic of um, the GNU project and uh, the Unix command line. So, <clears throat> people say, I've heard some rumors that GNU is dead, Freedom's Free Software Project is dead, um, Stallman is sidelined, and maybe you don't know about this whole story about the Stallman. Now, there's a great podcast that I shared, that's an academic history of open source. So I suggest you listen to that. Um, I'll put a link in the show notes. It's on the New Book Network, it's a recent one. And I did read it out on a previous show. I'm not gonna go pull up my phone and start stumbling around and causing lags in our show. We're gonna try and make this a lag-free show today. If I'm not editing, And my audio quality ain't great. I'm walking up hills and breathing heavy. And all those bad things, the least I can do is avoid lags. So, no stumbling with a phone. 
that's the first policy. But hey, the GNU project for me was my introduction to open source. And um, I liked uh, Stallman's principled ideas about freedom, the four freedoms, the freedom to modify, the freedom to study, the freedom to share with your colleagues, and the freedom to use for any purpose. We talked about that previously, and how, of course, those freedoms are ideals, but even the Free Software Foundation fails on that freedom of use for any purpose in a few ways, because they have another agenda. So, but we're going to have to forgive them for that, at least, or understand that not maybe forgive them. I mean, sure, that doesn't work out. So the MIT licenses or non-restricted licenses definitely um, will um, offer you more freedom but also less cohesion. So there's another type of project where they require you to assign the copyright um, <clears throat> to the uh, project um, for your contribution to take place. And the GNU project and the Free Software Foundation projects do that. And I would say um, those are also annoying projects to contribute to, to be honest. Not a lot of fun there. But, uh, I mean, I'm ambivalent to that. But uh, what am I trying to tell you guys? I think um, the actual software tools, the GNU tools, um, the different command line tools that are part of, that should be part of a Linux system, but they're not part of every Linux system. For example, Android Linux-based operating system doesn't have GNU tools. You can install them with Termux, but they don't have them. And the Chromebook is a Linux-based system. It doesn't have the GNU tools. And I think the GNU tools are something that everyone should learn because they're basically the Unix tools. And the Unix system is an amazing system. That's very powerful, and everyone should spend some time to learn it for the sake of the concepts embodied in it, which go a long way and are extremely useful. And the more you understand how they can be used, um, the better your life will be. So, take it back to the Unix, Bell Labs simple tools that do a, a, one job very well. And I'm thinking like SED and GREP. Um, now, AWK, AWK, yeah, I mean, I would use Python or Perl. I would just use Python for AWK nowadays. But AWK has its guilty pleasures. M4, the macro processing, I think that's a nasty, nasty one. 
auto tools and I'm really not happy with that one. It's just a mess. So that can go the way of the uh, dodo bird. It's not simple enough. Um, but yeah, Ed said, grep, find, hail and text utils. I mean, all of those things, amazing tools. Okay, so yeah, the Linux concept of processes and the process file system, definitely interesting. I mean, Linux does have some great things in it as a project itself. <clears throat> so, I think uh, we need to do a revival in training. Okay, so that's going to get me to the topic of today, which is I hinted at yesterday. And I'm just going to describe an ideal organization, okay? Something on the scale of Goodwill or Salvation Army, something that is actually going to be a worldwide organization. Um, and, okay, this is a totally uh, pie-in-the-sky crazy, utopian or idealistic, but let's just go over the idea. So what I'm proposing, now we could do this differently, and I've always been against hiring people and uh, paying money and all that, because you don't need to hire people and pay money to help people. You can just volunteer, and you don't need any formalism for that but uh, let's just go into um, okay so let's describe that first so what we did in Kansas for computer recycling is we just put up Facebook stuff and um, social media and we collected PCs at a um, we first we found a, a place to hold them, a place to work at. It was a uh, this big building, is a food kitchen, and they had a big warehouse. They had a workspace. So that's the first step. That uh, you need to have a place to store the uh, PCs. And of course, I didn't want to pay for that either. So I found someone who was happy to help us and work with us. And then um, and then uh, yeah, I'm just thinking about that. Whew. That was a real learning experience, though. So then we started collecting PCs. I'd pick them up, other people would bring them. And then we would, um, we worked on installing them. And we put, uh, I think we had some, some tiny Linux, some vector Linux or something. Anyway, we kind of got on to um, like Xbuntu or Lubuntu, some lightweight distributions. We tried different um, 
distributions. I think a, uh, a Debian or an Ubuntu is a pretty good choice. I'm going to make sure my notifications are turned off here. So, the, um, we would install these PCs, we would sort them out, we try and build some up, and then you get into the big issue, which is hard drives. So we were kind of loose on that, where we would just reformat the hard drives. But um, definitely need to get waivers from people, and that could really kill the project if um, someone's data is compromised. And sometimes you can recover data after it's been deleted off of a hard drive. So imagine if they had some banking data or someone were to get one of these PCs and then like be able to pull out hard personal information of someone from a hard drive. So that's one big problem. So I guess we could get waivers from people and then wipe it multiple times for SSDs. Um, I mean, I have to do a little more research, but so that's one contention. That's one issue that you really have to be aware about. And we'll talk about that later. Um, and then we would do a training session with the people, show them how to use the PC. Um, <clears throat> now, hooking up a printer, that's like the number one thing. But that works great nowadays in Linux for a lot of things. So we should also collect printers and give people a printer. And um, some kind of modem. some kind of internet um, at least a router so like an open WRT mesh network type router that can pair with your phone some kind of way or even you're pairing your phone directly with a computer for going on the internet I mean, this was 2012. Things have advanced now. And also, we now we got Raspberry Pis. So, I mean, but the reason why I'm bringing this up is that we have a lot of hardware that's lying around and that's going to junkyards and that companies are disposing of. And that could be going to helping people in need. So now we're going to get to that idea. So that's what I proposed the other day, yesterday. And um, <clears throat> I still think it's a great idea. Now, being older and wiser, I'd like to create a sustainable concept uh, where I'm not actually involved in doing all the work. 
because honestly I don't have the time to do all of this <clears throat> and I realize that there's not enough jobs for people and not enough training opportunities so what I would like to see here is that we create jobs where we train people to do these installations and to become basic, basic system administrators, like install Linux, um, set up a printer, set up an internet connection, you know, update packages and stuff, like basic training, that they have a handbook of some kind. Um, they go through a basic training program, and those would be our frontline um, installers, but they would actually be paid. So, I'm thinking um, that I don't know all the details, but definitely they would get paid per computer that they set up maybe an hourly wage or some kind of base minimum wage um, <clears throat> uh, they have to do a certain amount of hours they might not be the fastest or best but um, I think we can raise money to give people jobs and we can deliver these um, PCs and not only that but we can help teach people to fish teach people to help each other give them some skills where they can enable other people and we can do that in communities across the whole world now there's a great project called Labdo which collects laptops and we should definitely work with them and adopt whatever we can from them. But I, will, I don't just want laptops. Because laptops are just some things that are available. And they're great. They're self-contained. Um, but there's also desktops and Raspberry Pis and other things. And I need to revisit Labdo. Maybe they already have started to accept other devices. So work with them as much as possible. I need to look into them more. There was a one laptop per child project, which was the birth of the netbook. So yeah, I'm thinking of like a Kickstarter. Now, so here's kind of what I'm thinking, that we can raise enough money to purchase or rent a facility in the heart of Trenton as a nonprofit organization whose goal would be to train people and teach about open source and give people jobs doing that so that we would um, pay people and give them a minimum wage so that they can survive and feed their family and teach them some basic skills 
on um, how to give them hands-on experience on uh, installing and dealing with computers. Now in the time of COVID, with social distancing, um, <clears throat> it's going to be interesting. And we're going to have to have increased security procedures and cleaning procedures and all that. I think that's doable. And um, ideally, we would um, put a price tag on these computers, including the cost of administration and of um, training and installation. And I, we definitely should buy new hard drives and storage. We shouldn't be reusing storage. So I'm thinking we should partner with some recycling companies and we should pay for the safe disposal of any media with possibly sensitive data on it <clears throat> so that companies would feel comfortable in donating their PCs to us and we would responsibly um, dispose of the uh, media or we could partner with a disposal company that they would take possession of the PCs take out the media and then give us the rest that would be the best solution or we actually create a disposal company that would be responsibly disposable dispose of these things and offer the customer the benefit of a great um, <clears throat> feeling that their hardware is going to be recycled so and that they're reducing waste. So that's kind of uh, the idea that I'm working on with paid staff, with uh, rental buildings, and obviously there's a lot of um, empty buildings popping up and we're gonna have a lot of junk. So a lot of waste and um, Yeah, and people who uh, need PCs um, they also are going to need training these kids so we're also going to want to offer them training courses and how to use them support and chat rooms in-person tech support home service, all that so we're going to have to have a whole network of support staff and hierarchies of supporters um and I think this can create a whole new generation of open source, uh, free software type uh, people. And um, also do a social good. Give something tangible to people. And we can do this on a worldwide basis. So I want to put this idea together. And I, I think that the PC recycling we're going to have to have, um, you know, highly trained uh, or highly secure protocols for receiving, you know, material and disposing of it. 
Um, and we might have to just outsource some of that to another company for the beginning, and that's fine. have to have quality procedures and all that great stuff so yeah I think this is kind of an idea that I've been working on for a while in the back burner and um, now for financing we might be able to also well sell them so the boys and girls club of trenton sells these pcs but they're not installing them with linux and they're not offering training so anyone who wants to work with us on our goals that's great but we're gonna have to compete with them so unless they want to uh, work with us because well first of all I don't want to be locked into just one region and I think that we can set up our own organization and you can never have enough uh, jobs I think this is a job creation idea is great but we're gonna to have to plan it all out perfectly So, yeah, that's kind of the idea I've been working on. So I wanted to share that with you. And I think, um, you know, having uh, minimum wage type jobs, Amazon's paying 15 an hour. I mean, people seem to be able to survive on 15 an hour. I don't know what the actual wage should be or the price should be and um, where we're going to get that money. But um, I'm hoping we can raise some money and we can also just start small. We don't need to hire people or rent offices. We can just run this from our homes for the beginning and we can... Um, do it on a shoestring which is the way I like to do things but I want to have a long-term vision of an actual organization that's global because I think it's needed like Labdo and I should support Labdo I mean, maybe we'll just say whatever we can send to LabDo, we will, meaning laptops, and we'll work with them as much as possible. <clears throat> so, that is the story for today. I think uh, the sun is now uh, basically rising, the sky is bright. We still have uh, Venus in the night sky. Mars is now gone. So Venus is the only one left because it's so close to us. The star of beauty.
the planet of beauty, the goddess of beauty, also known as Aphrodite. <clears throat> um, now, it's funny because in Albanian, Afr means close, I think. So Afro Aphrodite would mean the close day. Dita would be the day, and Afro would mean close. I don't know. I'll have to ask Harry Reid because he's or Chicken Jar because he's the man with the Albanian words. And uh, with that, I'm going to say this is the first segment, and I'm sure I'll have some more things to say because this is going to be a long walk at six o'clock in the morning. And um, I've got another uh, three hours until I have to go to work, so I've been walking for an hour. I should do another hour in one direction and then start heading back. So I'm sure you'll hear from me. I'll just put this on pause. All right. This is Mike. I'm back. So the next topic for today is something I've been thinking about a lot as well. You'll notice you'll hear that a lot from me. I've been thinking about that a lot because I've been thinking about a lot of things a lot. Um, <clears throat> so, I'm thinking about this uh, pod call tool for recording podcasts. And um, I'm thinking of a simple protocol where we're going to record a podcast. And it's not necessarily a live stream, but even if it is, it's not a live stream. Let's just say it's not a live stream, it's just a recording with multiple people in it. And the protocol is, is that everyone will have a headset and do local recordings. And it's a simple idea that once you start talking, you have control of the mic and cannot be interrupted. Um, and uh, once you've stopped talking for, let's say, 10 seconds or two seconds or whatever, then the next person can pick up. And the first person to speak will win. And they'll get control of the mic. And um, every time you get control, the server will just record who is in control at what timestamp. And then um, it'll stitch the stream together with a high quality um, upload. So yeah, I guess you could have a live stream um, <clears throat> where it just selects that channel and will stream it. But in the final cut or the final recording, you're going to have um, the ability to, uh, to get the raw audio files from the devices for the highest quality possible. So you're going to have your devices recording at the highest quality possible locally. And then I guess they'll be streamed to the other user to listen to. Either through the fo that or through a separate channel. I mean, this is where we're going to get into maybe multiple devices. Yeah, so that's really what I want to see is a... Um, super high quality local call and then a um, 
protocol or a uh, a server that basically determines the order and timestamps for the speakers um, and then uses that to do the editing so the users will then upload those files when they're done speaking or while they're speaking or whatever we need to work out the details pipeline them and then uh, with a focus not on live but on, well, you got to be able to hear the other person, right? But you don't necessarily have to hear them in the same quality that will be recorded. You just have to be able to hear them. So um, that's kind of my idea for the day on the podcast recording. And I will give you back, <clears throat> I'll give you back, that'll be segment two. So, I've been thinking about this uh, question of audio recording, and I have this OBS Studio, which can definitely record, and it can be optimized for recording or for streaming, but can it, do, it can do both at the same time, and um, I'm thinking, well right now it just hooks up to Twitch or YouTube for uploading, and I'm thinking we can um, create a plugin for our own um, server um, so we can manage the uploads or streams to there. And I was also thinking that VLC, the video land client, can also be used. So we're going to do some um, projects with that and see what we can get to work. Yeah, it's going to be interesting. I haven't looked at that in a while. So the next idea is that we would, in the time of COVID, with lack of social distancing, we would do one-on-one chat calls with people in a support network. So... um, Obviously, videos, video chat um, need to have the proper camera set up. Most people have phones, and maybe phone recycling is another thing that we can do, where we can collect smartphones and reformat them, root them, and um, use them for modems and use them for... uh, use them for uh, cameras. So basically set up a camera tripod with a phone on it. And we could build these tripods as well using wood or other materials. And then um, set up a camera tripod for uh, three legs for holding the camera and then um, doing like a video chat with someone and uh, interactively uh, doing the install or doing the PC rebuild 
so that we can jump, have uh, qualified people, and uh, we have a whole network, a whole support network, which I think will be the key point. Not only videos and uh, sharing of uh, knowledge, but uh, actual hands-on, tap on the shoulder, let's see what you're doing, intervening, you know, assisting, helping out. And also I was thinking, um, we're gonna wanna have our own wiki type page. Like we talked about, um, We talked about uh, you know OpenStreetMap and stuff on a previous episode. Well, I think um, capturing local knowledge will be important, and we should also consider that not everyone is ready to become a Wikipedia editor. That we need to have another training wiki, so to say. And we need to have a review system and a quality control system. So we should have the whole idea of submissions and review and quality control and double checks um, to collect information, but not have it public, so to say, you know, cause you always have spam and all that. And also uh, identity like Can we generate a cryptographic identity for our students so that they can sign things and we can do like crypto courses and teach them to securely communicate and securely share information? Um, crypto Tuesdays, what do they call that? So that um, we can try and identify them via the, their keys. Okay, so these are some of the ideas that I have and more to come. Yeah, so we talked about, you know, what can people do? Well, I'm thinking if we can recruit people to uh, who get these computers to also or staff to support local business maybe, to uh, help get people online, you know, to go out and get companies hooked up, put them online with some pictures and some web pages and stuff. Uh, <clears throat> make sure they have a web presence and do this in a organized fashion, meaning with a quality control and with a uh, with some kind of um, review system, as I said. I think that would be great. Um, <clears throat> disposition decisions. So people could uh, help small businesses and maybe those small businesses could either uh, spend a couple bucks on getting things online or 
you know, we haven't even discussed this whole idea of cryptocurrency and um, like any pay, which I'm hearing about, will offer you small percentages for hooking people up to cryptocurrency. And maybe we can pay people in cryptocurrency. I mean, we haven't even discussed this whole idea of actually uh, creating crypto economies and decentralized economies. Maybe if you don't have an internet, but you have a decentralized uh, mesh network. So yeah, we haven't talked about all that. So. Um, more to come so and now once we have the system set up where people are hooked up somehow to our network um, obviously we're gonna have to find some way to communicate with the with them so I think um, internet connection is an issue but we're gonna work out something so phone calls even modems uh, I mean have we tried running a, a modem over a cell phone call uh, <clears throat> and uh, and then uh, SMS's MMS's but then uh, what I was thinking is um, we could eventually get into the point of uh, school pods where the second biggest problem is not having only a computer but having a safe place to go, having some kind of, um, some kind of uh, daycare, pods. So, and food, so actually the whole system for schools is feeding the children, picking them up, and it's a huge responsibility and a huge amount of work, and um, I think that's going to go too far, but if we can get them on the internet, then maybe we can um, have someone sit with them and do classwork online like we talked about. And I think I heard that the schools are going to move to uh, online interaction where they're not just sending you the stuff but also interacting with you. So yeah, but I think um, That's the, uh, the next phase would be actually um, not only delivering the computer, but doing technical support for the families or kids and also um, you know, finding people to sit and go through classwork with them online once we get the uh, internet worked out. I, I really don't want to get into the situation of having to 
pick people up will be responsible for minors so we're going to exclude that for now that's a whole different ball game physical security so uh, can't uh, get involved with that okay next break okay so now we get into the idea of the cryptocurrency or the ledger system and let me tell you about the um, Topeka bicycle project where they took bicycles that were donated and then people would work on those bicycles and help people out well people would bring their bicycles in to get worked on and the people who worked on them would earn points and uh, when you got enough points then you could buy parts from donated bicycles so the good stuff would be more expensive than the you know so I'm thinking um, that would be cool where we could uh, take the donated parts and sell them you know like oh here's a great graphics card here's a nice machine we could sell those um, here's a memory chip you know here's a four gigabyte uh, memory chip whatever and we could sell those parts to raise money or we could um, People could earn crypto, so we'd have our own type of uh, token or own kind of ledger system where uh, people who were working could choose to earn the crypto instead of getting cash. They could have a mixed model as well. But in any case, we would track the transactions using a, a crypto type ledger, um, distributed, decentralized, etc. So that's another thing we could throw in to the mix where, you know, you're going to earn credit for supporting or helping or whatever. All right, more to come.